What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday, I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry, where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go. Joining us now is a serial entrepreneur who spent his last 15 years building solutions with technology for diverse industries and is now taking on the sports industry as well. He's the co-founder and CEO of Pickup, an incentivized fan engagement platform that lies at the intersection of sports media and betting. Pickup transforms content into interactive experiences that delivers insights and revelations about their partner businesses. Their mission is to validate the fans' opinion and, in the process, make sports content way more fun. So this episode is going to be packed with lessons on product development, partnerships, sports marketing, and more. So go grab some snacks and join me in my conversation with the legend, Dan Healy. Dan, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. How are you? What's up, Ronan? Thanks for having me. Good to spend some time with you. The pleasure is mine. Uh, thank you for taking the invitation. Let's kick it off with a fun icebreaker. Uh, the one I have for you is, what is something you were known for in college or high school? What, what was something you were known for? Ooh, ooh, I was hoping to be a sports moment like, the, uh, like one of your former episodes. Uh, <clears throat> what was I known for? Uh, one of the things I was really known for was uh, I've always kind of been known for bringing people together, bringing awesome people together, getting them together to have a good time, to do good stuff, build great things. Um, back in high school and college, it was more to get people together and have a good time. Um, but that has progressed. So yeah, I love I love bringing a, a force of amazing people together to do great stuff. That's awesome. That's that's probably also how uh, fans who want to be engaged with their teams also think about pickup. We're gonna get into that, but maybe let's jump right into pickup and fans' opinions because that's something that you guys talk a lot about. And I want to I want to ask you maybe first of all let's start with this question why are fans opinions important to create engagement That's a great question um, <clears throat> there's we've we've kind of tracked this this evolution over the last four years of building the company right where it's table stakes now to to get the data points that come from social media and that come from all of these 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 um, accessible kind of metrics I guess is the best way to put it uh, We believe that if you can truly understand how the fan feels, right? If we can understand how the fan feels, um, you know, in a in a in a deeper way than anyone else, then we can provide this this immense amount of value. And understanding how the fan feels requires you to extract relevant data to provide them with an, an actionable data point, some sort of form of engagement, which we, we tend to, to lean into SMS for, right? And, and make it a very intimate experience where it's personalized and, um, and, and makes them kind of like delights them. And so uh, we believe all of that originates with the fan opinion because the fan opinion is what is formed when they're engaging with the sports teams and players they love. Yeah, but there's something that in my mind that uh, comes up very, very easily, which I'm sure that many people in the audience will share share with me. And that when they think about like fan opinion, they immediately think about like Twitter, 
you know the whole like discussion around the thread of, of what's going on in on a specific game or stuff you know we all we all can think about all the trolls out there who are just you know playing around and trying to make jokes of other teams or other players so there's a lot of like noise in the whole like opinion space in the, in 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 sports so i i'm wondering mm -hmm. like how exactly do you how exactly do you filter out that noise to be able to come up with like some insightful takeaways from their opinions yeah okay so that's a that's a really interesting question and a really interesting um way of looking at it you're right there's a lot of there's a lot of trolling especially on social platforms right people putting memes out there and and, and gifts out there just to to drive interaction um i think part of it is um the the source right where where you're actually aggregating it right so if it's actually on a league site or a team site um then you tend to get a more authentic fan somebody who's who's a little bit more intimately involved as opposed to somebody mm -hmm. who, who grabs like the the luca and, and booker meme from last night yeah <laughs> um so so i think the the source is incredibly important but i think also the quality of the the question right if you can if you can get a level deeper um if you can extract what we think about is like making play making headlines playable Right. Headlines are great. They get you thinking. And, you know, there have been media businesses that have built companies just around headlines for clickbait reasons. But if you then take that headline, turn it into a contextually relevant question and encourage people to engage with it, um, you can start to extract a lot of really intriguing and interesting information. Um, when we when we get to the, the two way communication piece, right, when we re-engage that fan because we know who they are from a, a phone number perspective, at least we have that. We have their location more often than not. So we have an idea of what they're interested in. And then we know what they've made a pick on. Um, we can start to send them more questions that we think that they will participate in. And the mm -hmm. feedback and the, the, the contextual um, data points that you get from what people will actually text into you uh, really allows you to, to understand the fan in a, in a very different way. And it's, it's, it's pretty authentic. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned how it's all about maybe the question and the way you ask it that makes you extract uh, higher level information. That's something that I also realized when I was, you know, early on when I started podcasting, how like the different way you kind of like, it, it's like the, the better you, you, you not only frame and put some context around the question, but also like the, the, the most, the more specific and, and direct the question is, you're going to be able to extract better answers from from the guests so i i love how you know there's there's commonalities in that um but who who really came up with with the first iteration of the of the idea was that the original idea or was there something different like how exactly did that came about yeah no the original idea um came up you know about four years ago uh and it came off the the back of paspa being repealed um what we were There, there were, the way that we were thinking about it in the in the early days was really around how the American sports betting market would want to engage with questions. And it always came back to regional or it came back to hyper local. It came back to communities around teams. You know, people always like come together around a team, a player, an event, something super relevant. And the first iteration was actually called My Parlay. Um, and this has taken me way back. And the uh, the idea behind it was you would you would present somebody with five questions that were relevant. Let's say you're in Cleveland, right? And you get five questions about Cleveland sports that day. 
uh, and you would pick three of them. You would answer them. Um, they would be very headline centric. Who's going to start? Will the pitcher go more than seven innings? Will there be a home run today? You know, whatever they're talking about at that time, you know, was, will, will Lindor continue his hit streak? Something like that. And um, if you got all three right, then you got bonus points. And the bonus points, you know, it was like a super bonus and the super bonus was essentially hitting a parlay. So we, we, we've always done this, this interesting thing of extracting headlines, using gamification in the form of sports betting, and then trying to almost like train or, or educate people on some of the fun mechanics that exist in the world of sports betting that was never really legal or accessible, um, at least not uh, in, a, in a public way in the U.S. When was the first time that this occurred to you or what years are we talking about? Yeah, we're talking about um, late into 17, early into 18 is when this really started to emerge. Uh, you know, the the concept of trying to to gamify and bring communities together around sports is something I've always thought about mm. just because I've lived in so many different places and sports are usually the the commonality mm -hmm. the thing that can bring you into an environment that maybe you're not so comfortable in um but the idea of creating a platform to really power content the idea of um you know making all of these touch points interactive and utilizing data to enhance the fan experience mm -hmm. that came to fruition over the course of 2018-2019 yeah and it makes a lot of sense now now thinking about it because those were already the years where the digital fan experience was starting to be taken more seriously than just the live experience, right? There, there's, there's, there's a lot of discussion of how that is evolving and how and where we're going with that. And I think that your platform is a really great example of how uh, it can really create, we can really create that experience there with different like bonus points and experiences as you were talking. And we're going to talk a little bit more about those, but uh, one of the things that maybe catches the eye Uh, about you guys is that you guys work with NASCAR. So maybe I want to I wanna ask, I'm super curious to ask, like, what's the story behind that partnership or how that, ex how that happened? So maybe, maybe you want to share that with us. Yeah. So um, the team over there is fantastic. And we had the ability or the opportunity to, to meet them in person, you know, over multiple touch points while we were kind of like working on, um, on, on the deal. And what we learned over and over and what we continued to hear them say was their objective is to grow the sport, to grow NASCAR, the sport uh, through sports betting. And they've got, you know, a really talented group of people that are behind that Joe Soloski being the, the primary. And so when, you know, we explained to them that, what we're doing is we're, we're really setting ourselves up to engage uh, every fan, regardless of whether or not they're in a betting state or, you know, in a, in a legal betting state, or if they're interested in sports betting, but we can start to really understand the fans, um, what they care about, what they're interested in, what they want to make picks on. And we can also help facilitate kind of the relationships with, with some of the, the operators that they work with to, to try and introduce people to formal sports betting. Um, it was just a logical partnership for everybody. And so that's where it originated. And we've had the ability and opportunity to, to work with them this season. Uh, and what we see is it's an incredible fan base. It's a group of people that, that want to engage, right? And sports betting is a really cool way to do that. And they continue to, to grow their portion of the, the handle across the operators. And they're experimenting and they're learning every day and it's showing. Yeah. And, and I'm very curious to ask, like, because NASCAR is, like, is, is, a, is a big brand in sports. And you also, and it's one of the many, you work with over 150 publishers. Uh, and you have many, many relevant brands out there like Flow Sports, Comcast, 
Um, what is it like uh, to work with them from an operational standpoint? And I ask this because I want to know like what type of feedback loops exist between you and those and those brands that I'm sure they have like this 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 um, this branding strategy behind everything that they do. That they want to be very very careful in how they approach things so that they working with you could be super super interesting experience. So I maybe want to ask like. How do you feel it, it is working with big brands like those in terms of what type of feedback loops they're looking for? Yeah, it's um, I think every every group is different, um, you know, just based on kind of how they're organized and how they're set up. We've been fortunate to work with some really great partners. It helps that, you know, there's buy in from top of organizations more often than not. Um, but when we work with them, you know, the, the thing that we're really trying to, to help people understand is that asking the right questions and getting your, your fans to interact with the content that you are investing heavily in can, in a lot of cases, deliver revelations, right? Not just insights, but revelations mm -hmm. that are surprisingly obvious that, that you might not see unless you ask, right? Which is, which is interesting um, for us. And so what we try to do is we try to package up the, the data and deliver it back to them to show the value that we are, are, are providing in two ways. One are the metrics themselves, right? How many picks are people making? How many new users are in the community? What are the click-through rates? And the click-through rates on SMS are fantastic. They go up to 67% in some cases. Uh, more often than not, they're in like the 25 to 30% range. And then on top of that, what are some of the things people are saying? Like, what are they actually saying um, that, that could help change your messaging or help you highlight a certain individual player, athlete, driver, um, or, you know, shift your content strategy to focus more on lists of questions and headlines as opposed to like full bore articles because those get more engagement. Um, and the technology and, and the relationship that we have with them, it does on a regular basis deliver those revelations in a, in a pretty intriguing way. And I'm, I'm curious about something uh, that's called the benefit of the doubt. And that is how much of a, an ex to what extent can you trust the answers that you receive on the platform to re those revelations that you're, you're talking about? Like how much... How much of you guys have that segmented? Um, the reason why I ask this is because maybe you you, you remember uh, going back to shows like The Voice or The X Factor where Eurovision, that sometimes fans get to vote on who they thought was the best uh, performing. And so that influences in an extent uh, what's going to be the result. Although there's experts, there's like a few experts on, 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 the, on those events that they are the ones that maybe are, have the highest weight on, on terms of like what, what really is the, the verdict in a way. So I wonder like how, how to, much, to what extent do you have like experts on the platform or to what extent can you trust the answers given from fans to deliver those insights or revelations as you mentioned them to, to the, the partners and, and other businesses? Yeah, I mean, they, I, I think if you look at it in the, the form of the leagues or the publishers or the teams, right? <clears throat> they are the experts. You know, and they we will never know more about NASCAR than NASCAR knows about NASCAR. Um, we hope that we can know more about the fans, about the people that watch NASCAR. We know more about them than anyone else. That's kind of the the and so it's less about um, 
trying to push everything that we learn over the finish line so that it can in some way or what some way shape or form be you know utilized and and kind of like reshape their their marketing approach or anything like that it's more about getting these nuggets these these surprisingly obvious revelations and delivering them and then hopefully working with them in a in a you know a relationship that's that's based on on authentic trust right where they they do like trust us or depend on us um to, to test them out and if they test them out and they say hey you're right then why not roll it out um because the experts ultimately make the decision but the power of the fans can absolutely define your roadmap and can you share maybe your favorite example of that obvious revelation that wasn't as obvious or or some experience that happened with one of your partners that were like ha this is actually the value of our platform is there one example that or one story that you you could share with us uh i, I think one example is um you know with uh one of our partners, you know, they, they've been pushing kind of like um, a, a matchup type wager. And, um, and, and it's been, you know, really, really uh, a focus of theirs, something that is going really, really well. Um, when we were talking to the fans and we were learning from the fans, what we recognized was that they understood the language of head to head in a little bit more of a clear fashion than matchup. Mm. And so we were able to introduce some questions that, that talked about head to head and it, it from a percentage perspective, uh, drove engagement up significantly. And that's just a very simple and, and yeah, and it's, it's surprisingly obvious, right? But it's <laughs> to an extent a, a revelation. So do you think there's like millions of very simple subtleties out there that just teams, leagues, or, or just businesses are not realizing that in maybe just changing one word, they could, you know, increase engagement and stuff? Is that something that you've seen many, many times? Yeah, completely. Or the way that something is presented or the way that something is delivered, uh, you know, putting content or engaging content at the top of the article versus, you know, burying it in the bottom. I mean, it's, it's all of these, these little things or, you know, the, I'm sure you learn all the time, right. On yeah. the podcast, like, how should you, how should you start it? Right. Like yeah. what should the introduction be? I, I, I bet that if you, if you didn't do the icebreaker, then you would, you know, you would have a little bit of trouble warming up the guests. Right. It was surprisingly obvious that like, Hey, this is a, This is something everybody who does presentations or group think exercises does. They do an yeah. icebreaker. Do it on the beginning of the podcast. You break me down a little bit. We're level. Now yeah. let's go. Another conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think the, the way I visualize this is like the whole architecture of content and how that engages with 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 people and i think it's fascinating and and i want to maybe maybe talk a, lo a little bit more about that which is something that i call the engagement economy right it's just about how uh, people really enjoy or or um or value differently this this architecture that we're talking about um how do you really see the the platform evolving in sports betting and other areas of sports in other words What is your vision for 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 pickup? Uh, that's an awesome question. Uh, and the engagement economy is interesting. We should dive a little bit deeper into that. I want to understand how you think about that. Um, I, I can say that, you know, we there's two primary beliefs that we have. Right. So there are a number of them. But in, in this capacity, we, we believe that the future of, of sports relies heavily on anticipating, understanding and unleashing what turns fans on, right? Like we, we believe that 
if, if we, we rely on the future of sports relies on anticipating, understanding and unleashing what turns fans on, which means you have to understand their feelings, not just the data, mm-hmm. not just what they click on, not just what they engage with, but really what gets them going. Right. And um, we also believe that in, in the world that we're living in, especially as it relates to sports betting, that the, the race to the top, because I'm sure that tracking the space, you're seeing that it's absolutely in, in a full on race, right? And we've seen that through acquisition, but we believe the race to the top will be won by creating fan loyalty beyond reason. And when we say fan loyalty beyond reason, um, you know, there's something bigger than wearing a jersey. There's something bigger than wearing a hat or buying a ticket. There's something like inherent in the fan where I will never not be a Sonics fan, right? They don't even exist anymore. And I still think about that team that I grew up with that was a part of me that I went to games with my, you know, my dad and I played on, uh, you know, on the Sega Genesis way back in the day, right? Like if, 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 if we can get, uh, if we can extract fan loyalty beyond reason, then we can help. We can help people win that that race on the oil. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned. Uh, well, of course, the, my opinion on it, on the engagement economy is, I feel like engagement is is really about caring uh, about what other people feel and what they um, what their opinion is in a way. So, thinking about the, this like a little bit more in a more abstract way is is about like. Figuring out if someone's comfortable predicting or uh, making specific conclusions on the difference between what they expected and what's the reality. So, for instance, okay, there's mm-hmm. there's the prediction. There's this prediction game, right? You you're going to have a flight with Delta or with any 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 company, and you expect this to be a great flight. A great flight that's not going to be delayed. That's going to have you know enough space between seats. I'm just guessing here, but you have this expectation, and then when you when you fly, and then you you realize that this was a shitty experience or something, you you have that difference in your in your expectation between your reality, and that's that becomes your opinion. Like ah, that was a bad flight, right? If if the experience then exceeds your expectation, then you have a positive ex- opinion. Now the engagement economy is is those companies that actually care about that difference between expectation and reality. So maybe I went a little bit too abstract, but in, in sports it happens a lot because you always get to predict what's going to happen, right? You have an expectation about your your favorite uh, NASCAR driver, or you have an expectation about the specific um, team or sport that you're you're always predicting right so you you can see that that prediction that predicting element becomes very very interesting in the engagement economy so i'm wondering like how if you think that pickup could really create value in other types of prediction markets uh outside of sports and the ones that i'm thinking about super quickly could be experiences right but it could also be say capital markets say stocks say yeah. derivatives say uh what, what's going to happen eventually with apple stock in three months right that's also an expectation that it's based on like uh assumptions that people have about things and then just the result of that difference is is what i call the engagement economy like how how others are are interested how much are others interested in that opinion so do you see it evolving yeah. in like other areas of engagement super interesting and this is yeah this can this this can lead us on an abstract path but it's kind of fun um so i I think the one thing that you're missing kind of in that example is Mm -hmm. let's say let's use the delta flight because it is so abstract 
I think it's going to be a great flight, but I get on the flight and, you know, there's an empty seat next to me and then, you know, somebody sits down and they fall asleep on my shoulder. They're snoring. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, it's yeah. terrible. Or my TV doesn't work or something and it's a cross country flight. And so all of a sudden my yeah. opinion has changed. Now, what if you introduce the community aspect of that? Meaning that you're hearing opinions from other people, maybe somebody, yeah. uh, their seat didn't recline and their TV didn't work. And the person mm-hmm. next to them, you know, fell asleep on their shoulder and all this other stuff. Then relative to the rest of the community, or at least the community that I'm engaged with, maybe it wasn't so bad, you know, may, and so like the, the opinion, I think the, the engagement economy, um, it, it begins with your actual experience. It's measured in the opinion that you have. And then that opinion is gauged or, or vetted against the opinions of all of these other people. So you put down, you know, let's say you make five bets across a college football Saturday or something like that. And you're like, oh man, I, I took this terrible beat because, uh, you know, this running back was, was pulled halfway through the game yeah. and he didn't cover, he didn't cover the over on yards. And this team lost because they gave up a, an interception, right. When they should have just taken a knee or run the yeah. ball. Um, <laughs> that's cool. Except for the guy who is like, I just went over five. Because, you know, I took I took uh, home underdogs and I missed every single bet. Now, how do you really feel about the day? You won three, you missed two. It wasn't so bad. Right. right? And so your opinion shifts based on the community of people that you surround yourself with. And we do try and connect those dots. We try and kind of be the lifeblood between those communities. That's uh, that, that's super interesting. And I think that there's also value in that. Although I would say that in, in by asking better questions, coming back maybe to the flight on Delta, maybe not asking about like, uh, did someone slept on your shoulder? Because that's going to be super, super subjective, right? But maybe in a more in a more abstract way, like it, would you rate your experience as something that, uh, I don't know, that uh, could be you know, recommendable or something like, I, I don't know. I, I cannot think about like the question, but I, I do think that there's value in just learning how to get extract the feedback that it's important from the clients, customers, or just uh, people engaging with your content or with your experiences. I do think that there's this, this, this good element that you guys already kind of like figured out on just making the right question, but also like putting it in the places where people are more likely to engage because going back maybe to the Delta example, yeah, we all get the, the like feed customer feedback uh, form, but how many of us really actually engage with it, right? So that's that's where I do see that maybe there's value from what Pickups know, knows how to do in like different segments of like the economy. Well, yeah, I mean, what if you just ask them how they feel, right? Yeah, because, you know, maybe you had a bad flight, but you, you know, what mattered and what was in the control of Delta was that the flight took off and you arrived on time. It was safe. Your luggage was there. How do you feel? I feel good. Right. I feel okay. That's fine. That's good to understand. That's good to know. Understanding how people feel is a much deeper level than giving them the ability to sound pissed off because this person fell asleep next to me. It's a one out of five. How do you feel? I feel, I feel fine. Right. Or or I feel I feel good, or I feel great, I feel excellent. So, no, it's a it's a super interesting discussion, and I think that uh, we would need another halftime snack to to get to get on with uh, different questions and and discussions. But uh, we'll leave that for next time. Of course, Dan, you're always welcome to come back. Uh, before we go, we we always wrap it up with some personal question. Uh, and the one I have for you is, what is your what is your proudest accomplishment, Dan? 
It's a great question. Uh, I think on <clears throat> on the the professional side of things, I think surrounding myself with a, an incredible team in this new company of advisors, investors, and and you know the folks that, that work for us uh, is is something I'm incredibly proud of. Um, on the personal front, it's my kids. It's my kids. They're 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 awesome. They're the future. They're everything. So. Those are uh, those are those are the two things I'm most proud of today. If that's not too big of a cop out. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoy this episode, hit the subscribe button and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports, make sure you subscribe to the Sports Tech Biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.